I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. Hey everyone, um, welcome to Behind the Gorilla. You already heard that it's Mark and Harris because that's in the intro, so I'm going to stop saying that. Um, and, you know, growth, growth. We're trying to get improve on each each episode, although that's going to be tough because last week was, was, was a lot of fun. Um, right. It's going to be tough because we're already so good at this. Yeah, and that, it's, it's up to Harris this week, so if it sucks, you know, 100%. Uh, you can just tweet at Harris Wilson and just bombard oh, wow. him with crap. Don't don't tweet it behind the gorilla because that's mostly me. <laughs> so um, it's just not my me fault. Me personally. I mean, you could still no screw it. You could still hate on behind the gorilla too. That's fine. Uh, that still encompasses both of us. Um, I I have access to the Twitter account, so I get all the notifications too. Which is funny anything. because it throws me off sometimes because I'll get like stuff people like things and I'm like, what is this? I didn't tweet. Oh, that was Harris. Yeah. That throws yeah. me off every now and then. It's like, oh, okay. Well, gotcha. that happens to me, too. I'm like, wait, what tweet? Oh, right, the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting thing, but uh, uh, definitely interesting. If you you guys have never experienced two people with one Twitter account, it's it's a whole other world, that, that's for sure. It's, it's great, though, because you get yeah. like little notifications and retweets that you didn't even know you, you had. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I get a bunch of I get a bunch of random stuff on this Roman Reigns tweet. And I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" Oh, that's Harris. Hooray! Okay. All right, of course. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> anyway, happening. so um, I'll I'll shut up now and I'll send it back to Harris because this is uh this Harris's time to shine. It's his topic. I have absolutely no idea what he's doing. We have talked about nothing. So uh, Harris, <laughs> the floor all is right. yours. So this is going to be a little bit. It, it might end up being shorter than the last couple of episodes because this isn't yeah, like that's fine. We have no time a limits. Of, a lot of like weekly recurring, like a long running segment, and it's not really like a history of a whole idea like what you did last week. This is this is more of one particular segment of one particular show, but it's something I thought was super interesting just in terms of, like, a broader conversation about wrestling, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I always try to integrate it into, like, just just why we like this really dumb thing. In a yeah, show you, where we you, talk about you do that a lot more than I do. You do that a lot more than yeah. I do. And I, I, and I feel like, no, I know why. It's because you're a new wrestling fan. Yes, exactly. That's why. So you still feel like you have to sell it to people. Like, no, it's this is why what... I. This is why I like this. When when well, you've been a wrestling a... fan your whole life, you don't care. You've gotten way past people making fun of you for liking wrestling. Well, no, it's not even about justifying it because I don't like talk to people about it who don't know and accept that I watch wrestling. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. To talk about it, like in terms of any other storytelling medium. Okay. That yeah. Sense. Like to. Yeah. Like because you. It. Because you uh, and, like, take a nut, like a step back and just. Well, yeah, because this is a, you're still in the process of learning about like like discovering things about it, and so I feel like it's more of a like you're in. I mean, you've still been a wrestling fan for years, and you know you know more than most people, but it's still kind of a thing where I don't know. I feel like you're still discovering stuff, and there's still that like level of enjoyment or I, I don't know how to explain it but it makes sense i think it's like I, I get a lot of enjoyment from the fact that like they're constantly walking this line between real and fake and they're playing with your suspension of disbelief and that's what makes it so interesting like okay. as a kid i yeah. always heard that people watched wrestling and i did what everyone else does which i said oh that's dumb it's all fake and then i just never watched it and the thing like the stuff that got me into wrestling was the stuff that I was like, wait, okay, this is fake, but they're playing off of something very real. The real stuff. Like Daniel Bryan's run to WrestleMania 30 is like those few months, that spring of 2014 is when I really seriously became a wrestling fan because I was like, whoa, that's super interesting. And they're able to like integrate real life into the story. But anyway, the reason we're we're going off into all these really nerdy directions here, and I'm going to try to reel it back in. So... (laughs) One thing that I did notice and I think is really funny, being like a newer wrestling fan, like wrestling eats a lot of crap from like the wider like pop culture world, right? But nobody hates dumb wrestling more than wrestling fans. True. Because we know what it's like when wrestling is good. 
So if you you know if you never watch wrestling and you see something stupid on television, you're like, oh, you're that's say, wrestling. Exactly. Typical. Change the channel. But when we see something stupid on Monday Night Raw, we're like, no, this could have been good. This should be good because <laughs> I've seen it be good before. Right. And if more people saw good wrestling, then more people would get into wrestling. But instead, we're dealing with this crap, right? Like, it's, it's not quite defensive, I don't think. But every wrestling fan does kind of understand that people who don't watch wrestling think they're dumb for watching wrestling. And I think that does impact how we watch it a lot of the times. And when we see something insultingly dumb, we're a lot more likely to be bothered by it than people who don't watch wrestling at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, people don't watch wrestling, they don't, they don't care. It's a very small group of people that are going to care. Well, this um, one reason I've always thought this, this segment I'm going to talk about today was super interesting is because it kind of plays with the idea that maybe the people who hate dumb wrestling worse than wrestling fans are the wrestlers themselves, and for all of the same reasons. So for this episode, I swear I don't mean to keep doing this, but we're bringing it back to WCW in 1999, because that's when all the bad stuff in wrestling happened, like exponentially more, right? 2000 was worse. That's true, but, you know, you can see the cracks starting to form, right? For sure. Oh, yeah. So if you, um, and I'm, I'm curious, as I tell this story, if you're familiar with it at all. So I might be, you know, we'll play see. along, but I know this is kind of, this is more when you were watching, right? Well, no, uh, I wasn't really watching. I mean, I was only like three or four, four at the time, four or five. Okay. So I wasn't really watching. It, it was more like a little kid in passing type things. It wasn't like, I don't have memories of specific episodes or really much happening. I just have, like, the characters are the only thing I really remember from, like, that time. Like, it was later that I went back and have watched all that stuff over again. Gotcha. So gotcha. A little well, but. you probably... I don't know if you would have been allowed to watch this as a kid anyway, because if you had probably you know, been, been tuning into WCW in the late fall of 1999, in between, you know, normal wrestling shenanigans in the late 90s on Nitro and, you know, the same kind of stuff you'd see on Raw, you'd see vignettes of a child in his bedroom sleeping peacefully, you know, cute little precocious kid with a little, you know, like 90s bowl haircut. Nice word, precocious. <laughs> We're smart and on this podcast. Ominous music starts playing, and you start to see vignettes promoting this this new character. And it's a character who's clearly meant to be some sort of supernatural being. Like you kind of like you think about Sting, right? As like being a little bit spooky, yeah. but he's not like he, he he's only fully supernatural when they really want him to be, right? Right, and he and he never really gets to that level per se. It's still usually somewhat grounded in reality, but but I get, right. but yeah, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But this is this is taking it a little bit. Like, are we going right? Undertaker like, levels? Yes. Okay. That's a really good way. This is like full blown mysticism. There's creepy music. It's this ghostly white face in a black trench coat, and a lot of the things you read, like the comments about it, compare it not really unfavorably, but just compare it to the Undertaker. Okay, I think because I know where you're going with this. Excellent. Okay. So it, instead of, you know, this is kind of the time that The Undertaker got really Satanist with it. It was like crucifying people on his symbol and yep. the higher power and all that kind of stuff. This is, this is kind of something along those lines. It's very cultish, but instead of, I, I want to say, like, even when The Undertaker gets weird and mystical, there's something cool about it, right? Like yeah, he, well, that's why it works. He, he says... <laughs> Right, like it, it works, right? But he's it's talking, a very fine know, line, and most ninety percent of the time it does not work. And then this, yeah. like, very small percentage of the time it works. And then the one percent that was the Undertaker just was amazing. Yes, and we like we'll, we'll get into that a little bit as we go. I think, but the like, Undertaker we could do a whole episode things, on the Undertaker, to be honest. You know, taking souls and digging holes, and he's got all these really <laughs> cool, like, little catchphrases that he say that like shouldn't work, but he's so cool. And the subject matter is so, like, I guess vague and just kind of creepy but in a cool way, like leaves a lot to the imagination, that people got on board with it, right? Oh, and yeah. a lot of that comes from, like, the persona that Mark Calloway can bring to the character. 
And this is a little bit different because this isn't somebody talking to you. This isn't somebody cutting a promo. And this isn't even a character speaking in his own voice. I actually read one comment that said, it sounds a lot like the Shockmaster. <laughs> and it's, I'm pretty sure the voice is. That's the thing. It's uh, Ole I'm Anderson? Sure it's the same guy. Pretty sure Ole Anderson did the voice of the Shockmaster. Right. Well, it's literally like, I, I can't, it's just, you know, it's like, it's easy to do an impression of it because you just make voice as low and ominous. <laughs> Shockmaster. So the vignette will open up and he goes, awake, my son. Like just the cheesiest, over the top, like evil thing you've ever heard. But it kind of works, right? Sounds but great. But instead of saying like kind of intimidating things to you or about what he's going to, you know, like do as a wrestler, he's saying things like, awake, my son. What's under your bed? What's in your closet? Who's at your window? And the kid gets up and looks out his window, and there's this man with, like, a white painted face and a black trench coat just kind of standing there. <laughs> and he holds up his hand to the window. And the kid holds up his hand to the window. And then this character will say things like, come to me and live forever. Join me <laughs> in complete bliss. And everybody watching at home is like, is he... Is he about to steal this kid? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and it was meant to be, like, these vignettes aired for weeks. And you can't find, like, too many different ones. I'm basing this mostly on the one that's, like, still up that you can find. But everyone looked at it, and, and it was just, like, they were going for this, like, supernatural, like, maybe he's in a cult, it's this man of mystery, like, He's bringing darkness to WCW. We don't know what any of this means, but it really looks like he's about to molest this kid. That's really what it looks like. <sighs> and it's, oh, no. So, so the fateful day comes, and it's, it's time to debut this new character, right? And the, the sponsors are kind of concerned. And TNT, you know, this is a major network. They're using Ted Turner's money for this show. Everyone is very concerned, and we'll talk a little bit more about what, what might have gone on backstage in a second, but it's the November 9th, 1999 episode of Monday Nitro, and it's your really, honestly, like, it's a pretty typical, like, solid episode of WCW. Like, you got Sting and Goldberg are about to have a one-on-one -on -one match, and they're promoting that. You know, this is really interesting, because Goldberg is also involved in the four-way match for the United States title. That's going to be the main event, and he's going to be fighting... Lex Luger and Bret Hart and like oh okay this is you know this is this is a pretty typical wrestling show right like you're getting right. you're getting kind of into it it's nothing like lights out or legendary but like this is this is a solid this is a solid show we have going on here and um and we cut from Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain you know promoting this Sting Goldberg match that's about to happen they're like and hey, we'll take a quick break we'll join you in a wait a second and the lights cut out and you hear the voice again. Dong. Right, exactly. Like every everyone I read about this was like all all that was missing was the gong. Like that's what the music sounds the same. So the lights cut out and you hear the voice again go, Fear me. You will which is a little weird because it makes He's him Yoda. sound like Yoda. Like I don't know if they were trying to do more with that or meant for him to keep talking. That's all he says. And then this creepy like sort of synthesizer music starts playing and it literally like it does it like all that's missing is the bell i mean that's exactly what it feels like right and the lights are kind of flashing and there's smoke at the entrance ramp and this pale figure in like a dark trench coat arises through the door and starts flying to the ring awesome like, literally four feet above the ground floating Oh, and the music is, awesome. is playing, and, like, there's a ton of atmosphere. And, you know, there's a lot, there's, like, a, a, a fine line between something that's dumb in wrestling and something that works in wrestling <laughs> is the presentation, right? There, yeah, there is. And, like, the, the commentary, they're doing a good job, right? They're like, oh, this, this is the guy that we've been seeing so much about at the window. You know, like, they're really trying to take it very seriously. Like, it's not quite like, that's got to be Kane. Like, it's not quite that level. But they're really like, oh, this is this is very interesting. This is mysterious, and I've never seen anything like this before. And like, you get it because 
the effect is really cool to see this guy <laughs> literally levitating towards the ring. Like that, I'm kind of shocked that Undertaker never did anything like that, but it's a really cool look. Yeah. Like, to be totally honest, and he gets all the way down the ramp, and the music's just kind of playing. Nothing else is really, you know, and, and it works. Like, the whole thing is, could be a little cheesy, but, like, he gets to the ring, and he, he levitates over the top rope, sets foot in the ring, and they say, well, I don't know exactly what he's all about or what his name is, but we do know that he's here. And they say, and we've got wow. your attention, I do believe. <laughs> wow, that, that was just, one of the worst lines of dialogue I've ever heard. That was wonderful. It's a little on the nose. Yeah, a little bit. Know? He's here. <laughs> well, no yeah. duh. You know, we don't. You know, we don't know who he is or what he wants. But bringing darkness, like it's just, they're just kind of riffing on the character. But it's not. You know, they're right when they say, "I do believe we have your attention." Like we've been watching this guy possibly diddle kids for a month, and now he's here. And okay, what's he want? You know, where where is this going to go? And all of a sudden, you hear somebody say, all right, turn all the music down. And the music stops. Atmosphere is immediately lost. All the lights turn back on. It's really bright. And all of a sudden, this guy doesn't look quite as cool with all of the lights up, right? He's not. He's not really, like, owning the character the way like the undertaker does right where you right. see him and you're like no this is this is a reasonable thing for a guy to be doing he's just standing there looking at you like he's kind of annoyed and it's dustin rhodes right very clearly <laughs> and he's got white face paint on yep. all over his head looks a lot like gold dust just in terms of like the fullness of the outfit right except for big red circles under his eyes you know what it reminded me of is the uh a way worse version of the Joker reveal, like this week. I don't know if you talk about this on your Batman podcast at all, but you know, Joaquin uh, Phoenix yeah. is going to be in the Joker movie, and they just released what he looks like in the makeup. Yeah, we'll talk about it there. I'm still holding out that it's not real. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to like get too in the weeds here, but I, I think it's interesting whenever a character, like a new Joker movie comes out, you get that unveiling for the first time. And you never know until you see the movie, but like when you see something like Suicide Squad's Joker, everyone was like, well, this is not, this oh is not boy. good already. Yeah. <laughs> You've yep. immediately lost me. And that's exactly what this moment is. Like, he talks into his mic, he's like, all right, y'all cut the music, the lights come on, and it's just dead. Like, yep. this whole month of build, any interest you had in this, like, cool supernatural character, it's just gone. Because yep. the lights are up. And Dustin Rhodes is looking straight into the camera with a look on his face that just says, I do not want to be here right now. <laughs> and the first thing he says is, I want everybody here to take a good long look at all this crap that I'm in. And then he just goes off on having to dress up like a silly character. And I, it's definitely worth watching just because it's very surreal <laughs> to see him try to pull this off in like a really convincing like you know pipe bomb style work shoot promo mm -hmm. and it doesn't work he goes on <laughs> to say like i i left wwf for gimmicks just like this gold i was gold dust and gold dust sucked i wanted to come back to wcw and i just wanted to be me but the powers that be came and they said you know dustin sucks dustin is boring and he's not like He's not proving them wrong at this point, if I'm being totally <laughs> honest. Like, this isn't – like, the crowd went from not, like, being hot, because they don't know anything about what this character is, but interested to flat yeah. in about five solid seconds. It was, like, this really weird – and you can almost tell, like, Dustin is just like, yeah, look, I don't – this is not my best work. I'm just going to get <laughs> this out and get on with my career. Like, that's the sense that even he has cutting this promo about how much he hates this character and he says oh and oh my new name is seven by the way thanks okay and they dress me up like uncle fester to play trick-or-treat all year long <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about what would have actually been an interesting like story if they had just worked it right which is the actual truth which is well i left wwf because i was unhappy and 
I got here, and, like, right after I signed, they fired Dusty Rhodes. And that's a disrespect to my family. That's a disrespect to my father. So I'm here to raise hell, right, and take it up, like, go after management. Right. And he got, like, he gets a cheap pop when he mentions Dusty Rhodes. But other, like, it's, that's it. Like, nobody cares. And I just, I, I watched this a couple of times, and the second time I watched it, I just thought, why didn't they just make that the story? Because by this point, yeah, like, sounds you're great. so, like, if, if I had been watching this for a month, I only watched the vignettes like two or three times and then watched his debut. If I'd been watching this for a month, I would have been lost, like, immediately. Like, if you have him show up and he's like, hey, I'm tired of hiding behind these dumb masks and paint, and I'm here to be a wrestler just like my dad was, and I'm here to bring wrestling back to WCW, you'd get, like, a nostalgia pop alone. Like, people would be into that. Like, of okay, course. Let's see what happens. I'd be into that now. Right. Like that's, I mean, if Goldust did the Rose same thing and came out, took off the face paint, and said we're going back, I'd be like, all right, I'm all for yeah, it. Joins the revival, has to. a stable. Why not? Yeah. Listen, yeah. WWE, that's a great idea. But if, like, imagine, imagine if, let's use Cody as an example, right? Let's say they re-sign Cody Rhodes tomorrow, and you know people read about it and hear about it because that's a normal thing that happens, and then it won't be tomorrow. It would be January first. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Well, and he comes out dressed as Stardust, and it would actually work a little bit better in this sense because Stardust was actually a character. Right. Right? For WWE. And not just some new thing. But the fact that, like, if he came back out as Stardust and then immediately dropped the character. And was like, no, I don't want to play Stardust anymore. I want to be Cody Rhodes, a real wrestler. Like, that works very well in real life. And that's basically the story that he's been playing since he left the company. True. But just the, the fact that they have Dustin Rhodes come out dressed like this new character, that they clearly put a ton of, like, money into making these vignettes for and promoting, and then he comes to the ring and says, no. I don't want to play this character. This character is dumb. I want to play me. Like, it just it flies in the face of the moment appearing genuine at all because yep. it's all so contrived. And, like, to this day, like, it, like, because they so clearly want you to think, oh, this was meant to be real, and now he's gone off script. Right. He's really bucked this trend, and we didn't know this was going to happen. But he, Dustin Rhodes doesn't have the promo chops to pull that off. Yeah. And it's very clear. Like, basically, either there might have been one point where they wanted to play this character, this seven, as like a straight-up supernatural figure, right? And it's kind of unclear on when exactly the plug was pulled on that and who wanted to pull it. Like, Dustin, he, he said in his book, like his autobiography, he said it was his decision, but you can find a lot of sources that say the people at TNT saw these first vignettes and said it really looks like this guy is a pedophile who preys on and kidnaps <laughs> children. And yeah. we really don't want that to be on television. So it got cut. But either way, the solution was this really contrived, which clearly meant as a work shoot. And, like, right. this, is, this is one reason I, I thought this topic was so interesting because that can be a really great thing when done well. And like I said, like, the thing I love about wrestling is when you can integrate real life into it in a convincing way. And, like, let what's actually happened drive your narrative and, like, kind of roll it up into the same form of storytelling. So, like, I think of Daniel Bryan. I think of CM Punk. I think of something like Becky Lynch, like that's super interesting and we all like to talk about it. Like how much of what they're writing right now is meant to reflect what's actually happening, like in the wrestler's life, in the fans, right? And I think someone who's new to wrestling like me, relatively new, right? Like I've been watching for years, but like right. there is a long time in my life where I didn't know anything about this. So wrestling as a whole is relatively new to me. I would think, oh, that's really smart. They should do that a lot. And I think that's kind of, you know, that was Vince Russo's playbook, was like, oh, we're always going to be pushing it. And, you know, like a lot of weird work shoots and a lot of is this real or is it not. But right. 
bad wrestling happens a lot when you try way too hard to pretend that it's really happening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, this is the literal definition of trying too hard. Like, if there was a yeah. definition of trying too hard, it would basically be this angle. Um, exactly. Yeah, because it's like, okay, a general idea, a general concept of a, as far as work shoot goes is a good idea uh, on the surface in in theory bringing in some sort of real life thing is always is pretty much always good um unless it's just done in a way that makes really no sense and then right. then it just seems stupid especially like, when you know this can't be real because if it was real they wouldn't let him keep talking yeah and it's a long, like, it's a long-winded promo. Like, it's, it's very contrived. It's very plotting. It's very, like, Performance Center 101, honestly. Like, that's what it yeah. feels like. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, a, a good work shoot, like, I think of, like, it's a cliche example, but it's true. Something like the pipe bomb, right? Of course. Where he takes the mic, and he sits down, and he just goes. But with a good work shoot, the question in the audience's mind is, Whoa! Is this really happening? Is this like, does wasn't he really feel this way? Does that, that. he really mean it? The hmm. questions that everyone had watching this segment and that I have watching it now are like, what were they thinking? <laughs> what am I meant to be questioning here? Am I meant to think that this character was ever real? Am I like? They just they got too cute with it, right? Like right. all of the, you completely forget. Oh, right. Here's Dustin Rhodes here to fight for, you know, old school wrestling in his father's honor because you're too busy thinking, did they just make this whole character <laughs> up? And right. if so why? And that like, just that's, that that's what ruins something like that. Whenever there's a distraction like po- taking yes. away from the way you're supposed to or what you're supposed to be focused on, that's when you know it's just failed. Like that that yes. that's the biggest thing is if you're thinking about something totally different while something is being like, you know, presented to you exactly like it's meant to be like the meat of the whole like that's his character going forward like he looks at the camera and he's like so i'm telling you right now you know the powers that be and tnt too like i'm gonna make wcw and i'm gonna make your life a living hell from now on and you're gonna remember the name dustin rose and then he leaves and everyone's like you know everyone in the audience is just like why did he why was he a wizard is that this is why did they do that then? If that was the plan. And they all start <laughs> like chanting, they, bring back seven, bring back seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny now to like look through people talking about it and they're all like, oh yeah, you know, I really wish this, this would have worked and they'd have stuck with it because seven would have been a really interesting character. No, it wouldn't. No, it would not. Have. It, it, would, it wouldn't have worked. Like no. he doesn't, and this is kind of where you, again, you appreciate The Undertaker because you can look at all of the different like big men and all of the different, like, mythical wrestlers, like, wrestling work. characters that didn't work, and you, appre- like, that gives you a greater appreciation for The Undertaker, because mm-hmm. he has, like, the presence to pull it off, and it's not just smoke and mirrors and production value. There is an actual talent, like, yeah. breathing life into at what least, should be a ridiculous At least as character. far as, like, 90s on. That, that, like, because right. if you go back to 70s and 80s, well, it was real at the time, so so it was yeah. a lot easier to, or maybe not even maybe not even mythical, but it was a lot easier to build big big men and monsters and things like that. Those were much easier sells when people actually thought that the stuff was real. I mean, I think of like Kamala, how huge yeah. Kamala was. I mean, he was massively over because he was a cannibal from Uganda. And, right. And, you know, it looked like a cannibal. And, and at the time, people don't – there's not a, really much of – you know, a, the, the majority of wrestling fans were just believe you know, they, they believed it was all real. And so right. they're getting – this guy they're, – they're, they got a cannibal in here that they're having to, like, control so he doesn't eat the other wrestlers? He's, like he's, – he's biting their heads and licking and eating their blood? Like, well, for real. He actually was doing that. But – uh him and yeah, awesome. him and uh, Abdullah the Butcher too, another another one like that. Where you're like, he's gonna kill this person, like, you know. Yeah. And so it was this whole spectacle thing, and it, it, it much easier sell um, when you don't know it's a work. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I think like this is kind of the beginning of, you know, like somebody like Vince Russo who was 
he was totally new to wrestling when he got into booking, wasn't he? Like he well, never... Vince Russo wasn't even uh, in WCW at the time. Oh, this was okay. No, he didn't was get he... in. No, this wasn't. What what month was this? It was November. Bischoff was gone. I think Bischoff was fired in like September, I think, of nineteen ninety nine. So he was gone for like the rest. He didn't come back till I think in two thousand. Bischoff then okay. came back when, and Russo was already there. Russo right. came in. I'm pretty sure in early two thousand, I believe. Because okay. so okay. I'm pretty well, sure anyway, he's still in w- I just, like, WWE. The, I don't know who was in I charge at that, that time. I don't know, like, from what I've read and, like, the things that I've seen and we've talked about even on this show, like, it was very much his brand of booking to, like, really, like, wrestling was huge at the time, but, you know, it was it was almost like postmodern wrestling in the sense that they were like, okay, most of the people watching know this is fake, so what do we do to keep people interested? And, you know, like, it was the attitude era. Like, you kind of crank everything up to 11, like, Yep. The cussing, the violence, the sex, like all this kind of stuff. And his, not his innovation, but like he would always love to cut closer and closer to the bone, right? Well, like his whole thing, I mean, I and if you, really happening. well, if you listen to anyone talk about it or Bischoff talks about it all the time, his, his thing was shock TV. It wasn't wrestling. Yeah, this whole TV, thing was, right? yeah, crash TV. That's what it was. That was his whole brand of just entertainment. It, it was entertainment. Right. There was this entertainment show. There was, very little, there was no wrestling thought of, really, with yeah. Vince Russo. Very, very little yeah. when it comes to anything wrestling. Kind of like the way WWE has been for a while. It, <laughs> it's, it, it, I mean, but, but way more so. But the wrestling right. is over here, and this is just some sort of little medium, but it doesn't really matter. It's really about all this other stuff that's going on, which is something yeah. that WWE is going going a little bit back to wrestling, at least over the past few years, which is nice. But, um... Yeah. It's definitely been a a problem as far as, you know, it has been a problem before. Yeah, well, and, you know, it just gives you, again, to me, as someone who finds wrestling so interesting because, like, the best wrestling is able to blur that line between fiction and reality, but some of the worst wrestling tries to do that and just <laughs> does it poorly. And that's the kind of yeah. thing that, like, I, I find a lot of these stories about Vince Russo super interesting because I think, oh, like that's the kind of thing I would book if I had only been watching wrestling for six months. Yeah. And it's only when you look back and like see a lot of these old segments and you think about like how hard it is to walk that line and make it work. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think of like it, you have to give us just enough reality to like flirt with our suspension of disbelief but not so much that we start thinking about all the details that had to go into it, right? Yes, and it's like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. harder and harder to do that, like the smarter as a fan you are, like the longer you've watched. But like something like Stone Cold Steve Austin works because it's rooted in reality in the sense that like that's kind of who he is as a person. Yeah. And we're going to tap into, you know, the fact that Vince McMahon is this evil billionaire genius who represents like everyone's, all the, the, the good, honest, blue-collar Joe's bosses, and we're going to let that, like, very natural rivalry play out on screen and, like, play up the real aspects of both of these people into these characters. Right. But they don't take it as far as, like, late-era WCW did, where it's like, yeah, we're going to... I, I mean, wouldn't, you know, I, would, I would argue they do. Okay. It was just two very... It was just two perfectly done characters... That people didn't really care. It didn't really matter a lot what they did, because the both the characters were so just well done and well played and just fit perfectly together that they could then do whatever they wanted as far as the rivalry between the two. I mean, the stuff that they did was some of the r- most ridiculous stuff in of the Attitude Era, but but it worked yeah, no, because of who the, it worked though because of who the characters were. And then yeah. the, the world that these characters kind of created for themselves, it, it worked. It fit yeah. in that. And so that, no, that's, that's why that worked. It's not always about have like you can do something completely ridiculous, but but if it's in the certain the right context with the right characters, then it'll work. I mean, look at the final deletion. That's one of the dumbest things that's ever that's happened. That's a great point. But but it's these characters that were perfectly conceived. 
They were perfectly committed to and built up over a long period of time. And then, so now people are invested in them. And then they went, then they could basically, and they, they created characters that could do pretty much anything because that's the world that they gave themselves to play with. And that's where they fit these characters. in. so then they could do anything and it worked. I think, you know what, you're actually, you're totally right. And you know what I'm thinking about now? I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great example. But like, I like a lot of respect for Dustin Rhodes. I mean, anybody who's worked in the business for this long, you know, and oh, he's clearly awesome. had such a passion for it. And like, he would go back to being gold dust. But like, when you watch this promo, again, all due respect and all that, like you get why he's known as gold dust and always will be. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really think about it in these terms until you said that, but like if stone cold, Steve Austin had given this promo, you would have been a lot more into it and you would have been Mm -hmm. a lot more ready to see him raise hell next week. Yeah. As it is, it just comes across as flat. Like it's, he's trying to be like stoic and kind of cold blooded and like just frustrated but it's like he realizes halfway through the promo that nobody cares and he doesn't really care either. So he just wants to get out of there and it's just lifeless. Yeah. And you, you know what? You're right. I think that's an interesting point because some of it is about being able to, to book it to the point where you're not asking like, wait, if stone cold is really, you know, fired, then how come he's able to like, you're not asking the logical questions, but if the performers are good enough and, you know, working things that play into their own natural strengths well enough, then it doesn't matter. Like you have a lot more wiggle room. Yeah, and if it's someone like a stone, if it was someone like a Stone Cold, or and you know, or a Punk, or or anyone like that, like you would believe them. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain characters that have this, you know, the way their character is. You would you would believe it. You you believe that they would do this or feel this or act this way. And then there's some yeah. characters you don't. I mean, it's just, I mean, that that's that's the biggest thing, I guess, yeah. when I think of the whole, whether well, it works or not. And I think that is the difference, too. Again, thinking about, like, using Cody Rhodes as an example. Like, if he came back as Stardust and then, like, you know, tore the suit off and, like, wiped the pan off and was like, no, I won't do this anymore. It, I think it's still a little cheesy. I don't, I, I don't even know if that would, I don't know if that would work. To be honest, I it might well like you kind of you get into that territory where it's like oh this is too contrived and why would he have ever worn it all again and like vacuum sealed himself into that suit if he was just going to come back out and take it off right. and it, it does kind of break the illusion right right but even then I feel like it works in a sense because Cody Rhodes we know has wanted to do that for so long true. You know, it definitely would work better. That's for sure. Like, I I think of like, I just think it's fascinating to think about. Like, would this have worked better if they let him be seven for like three months, and then something really crazy was about to happen, and then he was like, "No, this is stupid. I'm done." Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that would be better or worse. Oh no, no, no. That that would be better. It it still is not good. Don't get me wrong. It's still not good. None of this is good. But but no, it would right. definitely be better. I, I think it would be better because like if because the fact that that he came that, out and that did it. like that makes more sense of it being like okay I've now had to do this this is awful than it is if like people don't do that right off the bat if you feel that yes, that exactly. much about it you wouldn't have gone out there like that yes like it, the fact that it was the first one you know yeah and you that is what breaks the whole thing down you're absolutely right. Yeah, so it wouldn't have been it. No, it still wouldn't have been good, but it definitely would have been better. There would have been more impact for sure. Yeah, and I think that's what like that's what makes this so bad in a lot of people's minds, and also I don't know, like forgettable because it just came and went all in one week. You know, like if Cody Rhodes had gotten to have a storyline where he dropped the Stardust persona, number one it already made enough sense in kayfabe that like it was basically an alien parasite that was possessing Cody Rhodes. And it would have been more fun in kayfabe to watch him like throw that off like Spider-Man and Venom or something. Yeah, that would have been cool. But even if he had just said, no, this is stupid Vince McMahon and I won't do it anymore. Like the first thing you think is, well, why, why were you ever 
doing it because we know, like, when you kick down the fourth wall that much, you're just left with more questions, you know? Like, it's just... Yeah. It's weird. But I think this is a really interesting... Like I said, I like this idea just because you kind of get to think about how hard it is to pull off a work shoot and, like, work reality into your storyline in a weird way. But the way you really can't do it is have an angle begin with saying... Now, you all know wrestling's fake, and I'm playing a character, and I don't want to play this character anymore, so now I'm going to kick your butt for real. Yeah. That's too <laughs> weird of a line to play with. Yeah. Okay, now I want to ask you this. What then happened the next week with Dustin Rhodes? Literally, he didn't do anything after that. Like, he was in some universe, like some universal title, U.S. title feuds. <laughs> That was it. Like, there wasn't a big, like, blow-off or anything. He was just like, oh, and now there's Dustin Rhodes, the mid-card wrestler. Oh, man. That See, it. that's the other problem. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so now we're really like, what did we do this for? Exactly. Well, that's what makes it worse. They didn't even you know, make that a storyline. thing where it was like a recurring point for weeks that he was like, no, I don't care about dumb, fantastical gimmicks. I just want to be a wrestler and, like, it had fed into his character somehow, but it just didn't. Like, it would have made more sense if then you have segments of him, like, constantly coming out and refusing to do things. Like, I mean, something. Like, you could have made that a character. Keep, keep, like, pushing the line a little bit, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, part of the problem is, like, I think it was getting way too work-shooty by then anyway. But it's... I think the other thing that makes this such a waste is, you know, you look up, like, people discussing this online, and they're saying things like, well, do you think it ever would have worked for him? Like, could Seven have been, like, the next Undertaker? And most people are like, no. No. Like, WCW was so well-established at this point as basically being, you know, like, this is, it's still, like, Hulk Hogan and the NWO and Eric Bishop, you know, just running roughshod over people. It's the old-timers club. Like, literally... Literally, Mark, this segment ends, and the commentators say, well, I don't know what else we can add to that. Anyway, here's Sting backstage getting ready for his match with Goldberg. He's just like, even the segment was not even worth, like, remembering or carrying forward in any way. (laughs) Like, one of the dumbest, but also, like, weirdest and potentially most, like, attention-getting things just happened, and it happened an hour into the show, and we're straight back to Sting. And, oh, what's Goldberg going to get up to? And he's got a main event tonight, too. And how's that going to work out? Like, they didn't even care then. They don't even have the nerve or the interest to, like, main event this new gimmick, even if the gimmick is Dustin Rhodes saying he won't do the gimmick. You know what I mean? But to be fair, that was one problem. That's a problem I've always had with WCW is – it gets really annoying when you'll watch, watch any WCW during the during Nitro during that time, and they the announcers maybe sixty percent of the time actually talk about the match that's going on, and then mm-hmm. but may I don't want to say half the time it's maybe it's more than half, but it's not even close to like they'll just they I've watched matches on Nitros and stuff. Where they do not say a word till about halfway through the match. They do not say the name of either person. And this goes through the entrances and everything. Or anything. And they're talking about something totally different. That's either the main yeah. event with you know whoever, NWO or um, Hogan or Sting or anyone. And, and they, they won't even mention the people in the ring performing till like halfway through the match. And then they'll be like, well, we have a match going on. And then they'll say like some stuff about it. And it's like... That is one problem that they had always, and it drives me nuts. That is probably the thing I dislike most about WCW during the, those periods, is the focus was 110% on whatever the main event stuff was, and almost zero on anything going. So there's like a match, there'll be matches between you know Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho, or, or stuff like this, like cruiserweight matches and all stuff, where they won't even mention the people, they're just talking about the main events or whatever. And it's yeah. just, ah, oh, that, that was... That does drive me nuts. And I did I did get that impression. I didn't know it was that bad because I hadn't yeah. watched a lot of it like in its entirety. But just watching this episode, I was like, man, they just won't stop talking about all these guys who were in WWE five years ago. You know, like that's all that they do. Well, I mean, and it's fine because these are your biggest guys. I get it. But at some point, 
let's address other stuff that's happening. Like you don't yeah. have to. But that was part of the TV thing. That was part of the TV thing. Oh, we have to keep people staying on here. We have to keep people on here. We have to keep saying what's going to happen so they don't, you know, so that they are excited for that and don't leave. So I get, I get why it happened, but it was just, it just drives me nuts. Where it's like, yeah, man, you have these like three, uh, you know, cruiserweight wrestlers having this amazing triple threat match, and you're not mentioning them at all. And it's just, ah, it does drive me nuts. Yeah. So that that's pretty much it. That's all I got. It ended very abruptly, and we just moved on. And Dustin Rhodes was an average mid card wrestler for a little while, and then he came back and became Gold Dust again. <laughs> Yeah, and still is gold dust, and still is, and he does a great job. He does, you know, like that's here's the the ironic thing. I feel like Dustin Rhodes for a long time wanted to just be himself, to be a normal wrestler, but he can't be normal. He can only be super weird. And when he does, <laughs> it's interesting. That's not true. And when he's no, normal, Dustin Rhodes, you're just like man. No, Dustin Rhodes had a good run for several years in the late '80s, early '90s in WCW. I mean, he had a couple of reigns as U.S. champion, a couple of different things. Like he was, he was a good. He was a. I mean, obviously, he's a great wrestler and always has been. But right. he he had some good runs there. But it was never. It was always upper mid card like ceiling. He never. Yeah. He never really. And even even as Goldust, it was still never quite main event level stuff. But it definitely was a much bigger stage than what he was able to get to. That's for sure. I mean, I just, it gave like, it gave him that he's... it gave him that extra like that extra push kind of that he needed. Right. And, like, I just, like, when we look back on him when he goes in the Hall of Fame, that's going to be what he's remembered as, you yeah, know? it will be. It is true. It's the most memorable for sure. That's just what he does well. Yep. Although I think he but, should go in the Hall of Fame just for his stuff with our truth alone. <laughs> I enjoyed that stuff quite a lot. It was great. I loved it. Our truth is incredibly entertaining. Another guy who's like forty-five or however old he is, and I know, and been he, wrestling he for decades. Been at a SmackDown a few weeks ago. I know, it was and everyone great. was, and everyone was like, "How the heck is like SmackDown is just showing off at this point?" They're like, "We'll put anyone in the main event. It was it will still be awesome. a better show." Oh, so good! His whole thing of just stalking uh, Carmella or whatever, right. and then and then it gets him in the main event, and you just have Ty Dillinger falling around like, "What are you doing?" And he goes. That's how you get in the main event. He's like, well, he's got a point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's well, great. I was, like, one of the other uh, wrestling podcasts I listened to, they were always hoping that, like, a new NXT call-up or something, or especially, like, Cena when Cena was, like, going on that, like, long, long run on top, like, a few years ago. Yeah. That, like, some new guy would just keep interrupting Cena every mic segment, and he doesn't have anything to say, but he just figured out that if you interrupt Cena – then you'll get a pay-per-view match. And, like, he's just gaming the system. <laughs> well, that would be great. That's so easy. Why does someone not do that? Ah, oh, Right. Like, that's a great that's idea. That's the kind of meta wrestling that works. It's you know, true. if you do it right. It's not, true. Oh, not here's wonderful. a month of pedophile vignettes. <laughs> and then I'm going to very melodramatically say, no, I won't do it. Like, right. that doesn't. No. That doesn't it, it, work. it falls flat. Although, this is... This is totally unrelated, but I would like to see a network special of some kind where you just, like, where they let wrestlers cut famous or infamous promos and see if they can do them well. You know what I mean? Like, they do that oh, occasionally. That's a great like, idea. They're, they're like, this is the anniversary of the Austin 316 promo, so here's a bunch of different wrestlers yeah. giving it. But, like, if you were to give, like, I want to know if you could give Kevin Owens a bad promo and just see what he could do with it. Like just have a collection of those on the network. That would be a oh, ton of so fun. So should do that. That's a great WWE. Please do that. That that's brilliant. That's a brilliant idea. I don't watch anything with the network shows cause they're all stupid. And that one I definitely would watch. Yeah. That's I just, I, I would love to see like how much of, you know, explore the idea of how much of this writing is good because the writing is good and how much of it works because the performers just make it work. Yep. Oh, I think yeah. that's a super interesting line and I'd love to see more of that. Yep. No, I totally agree. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, so that's what I got for this week. There it is. Yeah. Well, definitely uh definitely solid one for sure. Definitely one that um deserves being mentioned on our show, which means it doesn't <laughs> yeah. deserve to be on TV, but it deserves to definitely, be mentioned on our show. Definitely go watch the vignettes. 
and the debut because it really <laughs> is it's very surreal and it, it needs to just, be seen at least once. It's terrible. It's so worth watching. <laughs> oh yeah, it's perfect. Well, anyway, that'll uh, I guess that'll uh, that'll do it for this this week's episode of Behind the Gorilla. We'll be back next week. Now I have to come up with something. So uh, <laughs> it's always uh, it's always fun because we get one week of nice uh, where we don't have to worry about it and it's nice, and then we have another week where we got to do all the work, which usually means to watching stuff for an hour on Saturday. Um, yeah. Which is fine. Which is fine. That's the way to do it. The sacrifices we make for you people. We watch <laughs> wrestling sometimes. Right. That's the level of sacrifice. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so uh, if you enjoyed this episode, let us know uh, at behind underscore gorilla on Twitter. You can send us uh, all the praises that you have for this episode and for the show. Or you can send us much hate mail. Um, we had We had someone try and do that to us, but then they couldn't do it. So if you can and really do hate the show... Please, please let us know. Is um, that the challenge now? We're like, you guys are too stupid to even send a hate mail. I bet you can't do it. I'm just daring you to. You at can this take point. it however you want to. Um, if you uh, have any suggestions for episodes, please uh, send them our way. That's less work for us. So uh, feel free and do that. And um, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So you can do that. Um, Harris is much more apt to tweet wrestling stuff i pretty much just tweet all my wrestling stuff on the behind the gorilla twitter account yeah which is like trying to i'm trying to moderate it a little bit but yeah i'm just so used to tweeting it all from my personal account anyway there's going to be a little bit of both for sure yeah 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 which is uh perfectly fine and then um if you're into uh superheroes and batman check out uh, my other podcast it's the uncaped crusaders review or me and me and my friend ian Go through all and review every single Batman movie ever done. That, that's what we're trying to do. And so we've gone through two so far. We did the first Batman movie from 1966, and then we did Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. It's a two-parter, actually, so we've done three episodes, but two, really. And uh, so go and check those out. You can follow that page on Twitter, at Uncaped Review, as well. So that'll do it for this week. Um, we'll be back next week with another wild and wacky wrestling topic. But uh, for Harris, I'm Mark, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>